You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, February 24th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over campus news with new details on a new tool to change your major, minor, concentration, or certificates through RamWeb. I go over updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies. And we hear about the Colorado State University men's lacrosse team. After that, Coda goes over details on a conspiracy to shut down power grids and gives updates on the evolving situation in Ukraine. Then we hear from local music director Dylan King and local band Muckluck about upcoming shows. To conclude today's show, Coda explains some updates on technology with information on Meta and repairs to Tonga's internet. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is your campus news for Thursday, February 24th. Last night, Colorado State University's men's basketball team played against the University of Wyoming and won by just six points. This Saturday, the team will be traveling to Utah State University for a game at 8.30 in the evening. CSU's President Joyce McConnell announced in an email on February 21st that they will be discontinuing mandatory saliva screenings for COVID testing. Saliva screening stations will be shut down across campus and voluntary antigen testing stations will be opening. Unvaccinated CSU community members and CSU community members who aren't boosted are required to submit an exemption which can be found at covid.colostate.edu. Masks are still required on campus. Colorado State University has launched a tool that will allow students to change their major, minor, concentration, or certificates while doing it completely online. Before, a student would have to go into or contact the registrar's office and submit paperwork there, whereas now this can be done on RamWeb. Students can work with their advisors to express an interest in change, and advisors can initiate the change in their RamWeb portal, according to Sammy Gentle of the Collegian. The Office of the Registrar processed over 19,000 academic program changes in 2021. So this tool will help make that a lot easier for not only students, but also faculty and staff in the future. Now on to local news. A 22-year-old Loveland man is facing charges for allegedly sexually assaulting a Loveland woman. And police are concerned there could be additional victims, according to Blake Rosnowski of the Denver Channel. After a 24-year-old Loveland woman reported she was sexually assaulted in her home in November 2021, police found evidence that corroborated with her report. Reed Sharon was arrested at the end of January and was previously arrested in October 2020 sexual assault report from Fort Collins. Sharon is being held at the Larimer County Detention Center on a $150,000 bond. To report an encounter or any additional information about Sharon, you can contact Detective Corey Richards with the Loveland Police Department's Criminal Investigations Unit at 970-962-2274. Two sections of Interstate 25 in the construction zone will be fully closed at night twice this week and next. Tomorrow and Saturday, the full closure will take place between Harmony Road and Highway 392 as crews work on the new Kector Road Bridge over I-25. Detour signs will direct southbound and northbound drivers. For more information on detours and closures, visit coloradoan.com. After a nationwide search, Kendall Miner has been hired as the new utilities director for the city. 
Miner will be in charge of overseeing Fort Collins's electricity, water, wastewater, and stormwater services. Fort Collins has been searching for a new utilities director since fall of 2021, and Miner impressed city leaders with his experience after serving as the vice president of construction for Cherry Street Energy, an Atlanta-based company that produces renewable electricity for cities, businesses, and institutions. J.C. Marmaduke of the Coloradoan stated in an article that this hire comes at an important time since the city is working towards a goal of 100% renewable energy by 2030. That's all for campus and local news. Make sure to listen to the Rocky Mountain Review Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for listening. I'm Ellie Shannon, and you're listening to KCSU on 90.5 FM. Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of Ellie Shannon's Campus and Local News, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen back. I'm Koda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports nearly 9,000 COVID-19 cases since recording began in May 2020. Wednesday, the university saw just one new case. Larimer County reports over 75,000 cases of COVID-19 and nearly 470 deaths. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention rates the county as having high community transmission, with a seven-day case rate of 150 cases per 100,000 residents. In the past week, only about 5% of all tests taken for COVID-19 came back positive in Larimer County. 26 COVID-19 patients are being treated in county hospitals, and intensive care units say they are at 83% utilization compared to standard care levels. Due to high rates of transmission, public health officials recommend the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people from outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug, and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms, and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the number of households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work opportunities when possible, and the county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million cases of COVID-19 and over 12,000 deaths. 4.7 million Coloradans received testing, and around 60,000 are hospitalized related to COVID-19. 10.2 million vaccine doses have been administered in the state, and over 3.9 million Coloradans are fully immunized against COVID-19.
Nationally, the CDC reports over 78.5 million cases of COVID-19 and over 936,000 deaths. Over 81% of eligible people are now at least partially vaccinated against COVID-19, and community transmission is high in every state. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, CNBC, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine info, schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. Lacrosse is one of the many club sports that exist at CSU, and their season is just kicking off. The lacrosse team at CSU has over 40 players on it, and they are traveling to Arizona this weekend to take on the University of Arizona and San Diego State University. Today, I'm joined by lacrosse president Cole Kober and Captain Nick Chastain. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing really good, Ellie. Thanks for having us on. So far, so good. Yeah, <laughs> excited to be here. Yep. Your spring 2022 season already started with your February 6th game. Can you tell me how the season has been so far? Sure, I'll let Cole open up with that. Yeah, so far, so good. You know, started out 2-0 and so far. We uh, beat Wyoming our first game, and we just beat Georgia this last weekend. Um, we're off to a pretty hot start, I think, so we're looking to keep the momentum rolling. Yeah, and especially so early in the season. It's interesting to see how all the other teams are doing. So we'll see what uh, these games with Georgia and Wyoming or how they put us into the future. Yeah, the poll comes out tomorrow, so we'll see where we're ranked. Right now we're 22nd, but I think we should be moving up. So that's exciting. Where can people find that poll? Um, it would be on it's on the MCLA website, which is our collegiate lacrosse association we want to run through. I believe the link is mcla.us. Yeah, yeah. So you can find it on there. I was taking a look at your webpage and I saw a lot of information on recruiting. Can you tell me about the recruiting processes for the team? Yeah, so the recruitment process, it's pretty straightforward. A lot of kids will reach out to coach. We have a recruitment form you can fill out. Um, then we have a fall ball session where a lot of these recruits will come in after they talk to coach. There's a lot of communication beforehand. They'll come in and they'll kind of get to know the program in the fall. And then the spring season is kind of when we kick off into full gear with the team. A lot of kids will drop early because it's a lot. I think a big thing is it's a lot bigger commitment than a lot of kids expect with practice five days a week in spring and three days a week in fall. So that will stagger a lot of kids out. But yeah, we get a lot of recruits. We start out usually with 80, 70, 80 kids at the first day of practice. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also through the recruiting process, you get to talk to coach a lot, form a relationship with him even before you get on campus. I remember it was my junior year of high school when I first met uh, Coach McDonald. So you definitely learn about the program a lot even before you get here and you build in that family values that we always talk about even before you step on campus. And the team has a no cuts, no promises policy, meaning that you do not cut anyone from the team, but that there won't be any promises of playtime either. Since the team has over 40 people on it, do you divide it up at all for games and practices? So we don't travel with everybody because it's just too expensive to travel with everyone on the team. We do have two kind of two groups in practice called the dogs and the underdogs. So we'll split up into two different groups um, depending on the sides. It just makes practice more efficient. You know, everyone gets more out of their time. We have 10 people on the field at a time. So probably about 22 players will play a game, I would say. Yeah, probably about that. Usually 20, 22 players get in with subs. A lot of the attack and defense will stay in the whole game because they don't run as much. And then we'll usually run two lines of midfielders. So 
Yeah. So, you know, a good mix. Uh, probably the top third to half of the roster will see playing time every game. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity to get in the game, especially if you're willing to do things like go do, uh, take on roles other players don't want to take on. And I saw that it does cost over $3,000 to be on the team after getting through recruitment. What do these expenses include? So a lot of these expenses just go to make this program feel like it's a NCAA-type level program. So we don't get funding through the school like the NCAA programs do. So this kind of gives us the feel. So we can get game jerseys. Um, you can see us. We have this, these sweat jackets on, like the whole all the sweatsuits and all that. So you get a lot of apparel. It goes towards fields. Yeah, fields officials. It costs league dues to be in the league. So there's definitely a lot of expenses, and that's why it's so expensive but you really do get the feel like we like to call it virtual varsity where you get the feel like you're in a varsity program even if you're not necessarily funded by the school so so you would say that these expenses are worth it to be a player on the team yeah i mean we've been here four years so they're obviously worth it to us and we do get a lot of kids that come back every year so it does scare a lot of people off i think but the kids that are willing to stay we have to travel all around the country we get to do lots of fun stuff as a team so it's definitely worth it in my eyes yeah absolutely i would agree you get a lot of value and you make such good relationships i think it's totally worth uh what you have to pay and it is steep but for the experience you get relationships you get to form i would pay it every year uh, yeah a big draw of it too is a lot of bigger schools don't have lacrosse programs so if you do want to go to a bigger university and still play lacrosse it kind of gives you that opportunity to go to a big university and still have that benefit of playing lacrosse i think that helps translate well into the dues i also saw on your website that there are lacrosse camps that take place with great camp counselors can you tell me about these camps yeah so with these camps uh during covid we weren't, didn't get the chance to do them as often as we used to i remember Freshman year, we ran a few of them during the year, but ever since then, we haven't been able to run anymore. So it's unfortunate, but hopefully it's something we can get back to as the pandemic starts to fade. Yeah, it's a good opportunity to get out and help the community. A lot of like fraternities and sororities do the same thing with philanthropy. So we try to get back and help introduce the youth to lacrosse because it's such a fast growing game. And I think we'll work with a lot of youth groups and stuff. So it's, it's a good time. Coming up in the next month, I heard that you have a game in Canvas Stadium. Can you tell me about that as well? Yeah, it's a big game against BYU. They're kind of our number one rival. March 26th is when the date is. So it's going to be 4 p.m. March 26th. Pretty exciting. BYU is currently ranked number one in the country. So they're a really good team. They've always been really good in the MCLA, and we've always been a top program in the MCLA. So it's kind of two powerhouses going against each other. And we're really excited to get the opportunity to play in there. Yeah, and student tickets are free, I believe. Yeah, student tickets are free. And then uh, other tickets, I believe, are going to be at $18. So if you're not a student. There are hundreds of alumni that have played lacrosse at CSU, which is why there is the Colorado State University Lacrosse Alumni Association. You can donate to this association to help the program and the future of lacrosse at CSU. For all information on recruitment, expenses, and more, go to CSULacrosse.com. Thank you both so much, Nick and Cole, for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Ellie, for having Thank us you, on. Ellie. Thank you. And we'll be right back.
Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Kuta Babcock, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins with the Rocky Mountain Review. Now for national news. Former President Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, may volunteer to speak with the House committee handling the investigation of the January 6, 2021 insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. According to Sarah Cook at CBS News, Ivanka Trump's spokesperson confirmed that she is discussing doing an interview with the committee after she previously received a letter from committee chairman Benny G. Thompson requesting her cooperation. The committee handling this investigation believes she was at the White House during a phone call between the former president and his vice president, Mike Pence, as well as during the insurrection itself. The committee also wants to find out if she has any information on the former president's plans to interfere with with electoral vote counting. Ivanka Trump's spokesperson responded by saying that she did not speak at the January 6th attack, but did try to stop the violence by sending out a public call for participants to act peacefully. The following story discusses the police shooting that killed Breonna Taylor. The story is about one minute. Prosecutors say that the only former officer charged related to Breonna Taylor's death in a no-knock raid almost two years ago also endangered a neighboring family. According to Dylan Lovan and Michael Warren at the Associated Press, after firing 10 shots as Taylor slept, Brett Hankison risked the lives of a couple and a child living nearby. While this case does not deal with Taylor's murder, it does deal with police weapons misconduct. Hankison's shots did not hit or kill Taylor, but he does face trial after freely firing in her apartment. The prosecutor, Barbara Maines Whaley, argues that Hankison also escalated the situation by yelling at Taylor's neighbors, and he shot in a different direction than other officers. His defense team says that shooting in the wrong direction was the result of an overall chaotic situation in the apartment. Cody Etherton, one of Taylor's neighbors, recalled himself and his pregnant girlfriend, Chelsea Knapper, waking up to gunshots with Etherton nearly being shot as bullets came through the wall they shared with Taylor. Etherton said, quote, Another one or two shots and I would have gotten shot. I would have never gotten to meet my son, end quote. He also said that gunshots nearly hit his girlfriend. Three suspects pleaded guilty for conspiring to attack power grids. According to Kanishka Singh and Sarah N. Lynch at Reuters, the three men, Christopher Cook of Columbus, Ohio, Jonathan Frost from Katy, Texas, and Jackson Sawal from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, pleaded guilty to one count each of conspiring to provide material support to extremists after they joined a white supremacist plot to create unrest and cause distress to the economy. Officials from the U.S. Department of Justice say acts of domestic terrorism from white supremacists have increased. The three men could face up to 15 years in prison for plans they made in 2019 to attack power grids. Two of them, Cook and Frost, worked to recruit others into the plan, including Sawal. They intended to shoot power grids using rifles with the belief that it could cause conflicts. In a statement, the Justice Department said, quote, They had conversations about how the possibility of the power being out for many months could cause war, even a race war, end quote. Police caught Sawal during a traffic stop where Sawal tried to overdose on fentanyl given to him by Cook in the case that they were caught by law enforcement. He survived after trying to swallow the fentanyl pill in Ohio, but the other two men continued traveling to Texas in hopes to recruit young people. Stepping outside of national news for a moment, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced military actions in Ukraine Wednesday, with NPR correspondents reporting explosions in several cities. According to Bill Chappelle and Jonathan Franklin at National Public Radio, Putin announced a military operation on television, 
saying that his goal was to demilitarize Ukraine and asking other countries to stay out of the conflict. Explosions were reported near Kramatorsk, Kiev, Kharkiv, and Odessa. The U.S., along with European Union members and allies, responded to the attacks with sanctions, including Wednesday's additional sanctions against a Russian-owned company responsible for a gas pipeline between Germany and Russia. Biden made an address Thursday morning where he announced additional sanctions. Ukraine previously dealt with smaller-scale attacks from Russia, including cyber attacks prior to the invasion of the country. Ukraine moved to call a national state of emergency due to the actions from the Russian government, calling on their military reserves to increase security. That's all for national news. I'm Kota Babcock, and now we're going to be hearing from local band Muckluck about their upcoming shows. I'm your host, DJ D-Lone, and in the studio today we have the band Muckluck, who comes from Fort Collins, and all the members actually went to CSU one time or another. All right, so you guys all went to CSU one time or another. You guys came in here with your last band, didn't you? Yeah, it was really like the same core band, so it was Scott. And Ben and I, and we had a different bass player at the time. Shout out to Travis, by the way. Um, hope you're doing well, man. Um, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so it was the three of us. Uh, so yeah, still kind of the core, but um, we've evolved so much since then. And obviously, you know, just as the world has changed, so have we in that time. We're back, back in action. Muck Luck, Muck Luck is, Muck Luck. is the new name. We, at the time, I think Weird Disturbance Happens at that time. Yep, yeah, we hadn't get, like started transitioning or anything into other stuff, so... So we got Jacob Pitt over here on the bass, slapping the bass. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Is this mic hot? Oh, okay. it's, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. Don't worry. It's hot. Right. Um, and then Scott Lunsford on the drums over here. Um, this is Ben Markle on lead guitar and Hello. vocals these days. Um, and I- I'm Hank Abbott. Um, and Scott and I initially started the band back a while ago in some garages and things. We're here now. Perfect. Yeah. So you want to tell me like a little bit about the like kind of evolution from that first band and like how your style has kind of shifted and changed throughout that time? Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, you know, I think from the beginning, the foundation was all built on blues and and classic rock, really. Um, and I think that these days, um, Ben has really brought in some some really super fun all you know, psychedelic and um and just kind of a little bit more off the beaten path kind of styles for us, you know, songwriting wise. And, um, also just as a, as a unit, um, we've evolved into some more complex, complex arrangements and just really trying to push the limits and, you know, uh, make things fun to listen to. Yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed you guys. The, the first time I watched you guys play as well, Thanks, man. really enjoyed all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. No, it's great, <laughs> dude. It's, it's, it's really cool being back, man, because, it's, I mean, personally, I haven't been back on campus since I graduated um, and just coming in here and seeing the place as it is. And it's just very nostalgic. Kind of just want to ask you guys about your just overall songwriting styles and stuff. Yeah. So we um, usually Ben or I will kind of come up with concept and, you know, that can be like in the early stages and the gathering stages, as they say, or kind of <laughs> like almost complete. Um, and then we bring it to the band. And if we need to work stuff out, we do or each of us will just kind of instruct everybody on like what the, the foundation of it is. And then, you know, everybody really contributes in their own way, like with, with details past that, um, which is probably the most fun part about it because we come with these, you know, base ideas and then it just really grows from there into like this completely different thing, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. And would you say that you each have, uh, very different styles in your playing and your songwriting. Like, how would you kind of describe each of each of your styles? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's really different, which is a good thing. There's a lot of juxtaposition, um, especially within the, you know, the guitar elements. Ben is definitely, I would say, a lot more, I don't know, how would you describe yourself a little bit more wild? I like to keep things a little bit more straight edge, kind of defined. And he's just kind of really, he's like, you know, a lone ranger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, it's, what do you think? I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. I feel like you definitely have more like traditional um, ideas and like, uh, like styles in terms of like, I think it's very rude and rock and roll and blues on your end. And I'm getting more into like the funk kind of stuff and the, um, and the psychedelia kind of thing. And Scott just lays down fat grooves and then JP is always playing stuff on his bass and it's blessing me. It's true. We uh, we really naturally kind of find ourselves fitting in this space cowboy mold. Um, <laughs> in fact, it's kind of definitive, really. Um, but I think, you know, more than that, it's it's just rock and roll at its core with a lot of different spice and elements. Um, and yeah, man, it's just whenever we're having fun, we know it's going to sound better. That's the biggest thing. That's good. So how long have you guys each been playing then? Um, I've been playing, I mean, I've been playing music my whole life. I started playing piano, like classical piano stuff. And then, um, a little bit of jazz stuff here and there and kind of picked up the guitar, like in high school and college. Um, and the singing just kind of came from there. Um, what about you guys? Yeah, I've been playing since I was like 12 or something like that. Started out on acoustic guitar. And yeah, uh, today is played Jack Johnson songs. Yeah. <laughs> so where did all the go? <laughs> people go? Yeah. Well, okay, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I started with like uh, piano lessons when I was young, doing that whole that whole gig, and then uh, once I got into like middle school band and everything, I could switch over to percussion. Started doing that, but it was actually funny. So my my middle school didn't let let anybody coming into the band program just go to percussion. So we had to play a different instrument for a little while. It's like a trial period to see whether you were really worthy of switching to percussion. So I actually played clarinet for like the first semester and I was <laughs> awful at it. Like it was terrible. I didn't know that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, but then from that on, I just played drums. Nice. I actually, I grew up playing clarinet, played for like eight years. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that you consider yourself worthy now to play Maybe. percussion? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. I think you're always intermediate. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I've been playing, uh, I started playing guitar when I was about 12. My dad taught me. And then in high school, I picked up bass because um, I played for the pit band and the musical. And uh, we played the Drowsy Chaperone. For any music, uh, musical people out there, it's a, it's a fun tale. But um, it's also fun to play bass with, and that's where I started. Very nice, very nice. All right, so I'm looking at this next, this next song. It's called Song A. And we kind of talked about you know, a little bit about how, you know, some of these songs don't really have titles that are definitive what the sound or what the song is. Yeah. So just the title song A, why song A? Uh, just because like I needed a filler title for the song and it's song A. So then like if I'm not able to think of a song title for the next song, that will be song B. <laughs> so we're just waiting for a song like h and g and all those no, we're gonna, i'm trying to stay in like the first quarter of the alphabet if we can. <laughs> okay yeah for sure okay. so, you're, so you're not you're not hoping to have a bunch of untitled song no, ABCs. No, we don't need like we don't need like album one subsection song three no we don't need any of that this is this is all i want this to be a one-time thing ideally this is rock and roll this is not science exactly exactly yes yes all right well we're gonna 
switch over here and we're going to have Muckluck play their song A on 90.5 KCSU. Very far. So send me walking. 
we just listened to their song A, and you want to tell us a little bit more about just kind of what that song's about? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's definitely uh, uh, supposed to emulate a feeling of a uh, nostalgia and reminiscing for times that have passed, especially with people that are you know important in your life and are figures in your life that have passed on in one way or another, you know, and um, yeah, I think all those things, you know, kind of made it difficult for me to choose a title. So that's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so deep. You couldn't choose. Yeah. One. It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's definitely, I don't know. It's not, it's not the best song I've written, but it's, I, I like it a lot just because I think it has a lot of good little nuggets of lyrics stuff in there. So yeah. And it's got emotional value for you too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. so, we kind of talked a little bit about this next song, 17, and it kind of has some of those similar sort of, ideas. Sort of, yeah. I think 17 is much more about, you know, kind of the the solo journey for sure. And, um, you know, especially I think in the last couple of years, you know, as individuals, we've all seen our share of um, challenges and hardship and things like that. And, you know, being able to um, – kind of see your way out of it and see that there is light at the end of the tunnel with certain things. And, and you can really work, th- work through things. And you guys have a show coming up. We have a show at the lyric on March 4th and we play at 10 PM. Okay. Who else is playing with you guys? Uh, we are the only people playing. It You're is our, it is our own show. Solo act. Solo act. Well, that's going to be fun. Luck guys- at night. Luck <laughs> at night. <laughs> We're going to have an outfit too. Kind of want to ask you guys about your just overall influences throughout your playing careers. First sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm influenced by, you know, the, the OGs of, of classic rock, you know, um, Led Zeppelin, Beatles, ACDC. I like, I also do love country music. So I like a little bit of twang. Um, I also, we do some funk stuff and I, I love like Motown stuff and all over the place, man. All, all over, over the place. place. That's good though. Yeah. I'm pretty all over the place too. Like I, I grew up, you know, listening to bluegrass and I still love bluegrass dearly. And, uh, you know, I started playing guitar, doing the rock and roll thing. I'm a huge fan of that. And I feel like, you know, my, my tastes have just like expanded so much, like even through people I know, like I'll listen to some EDM too. It's too much. I feel like I'll try and pick out any kind of influence I can from anywhere that I think just appeals to me. So, I mean, that's not a very hard answer. <laughs> it's not a very solid answer, but yeah, it's kind of where my influences come from. Oh well, yeah, definitely played off what Ben said. Like my music uh, choices when I'm like vibing in the car are very, very broad. Uh, so I mean, today my music influences it comes from like literally anything that I'm enjoying. I'm, I'm analyzing what they're doing with with those songs and how they wrote them. But like what really got me into drums was Douglas Clifford of CCR. I remember hearing those albums for the first time. I was like, man, that that's it right there. Like that's the thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, uh, I like, I pretty much dig what everybody else is saying, but my, uh, probably my biggest influences for playing bass is like Herbie Hancock and Headhunters. Um, like, uh, Paul Jackson is the best bass player ever. I think I'm going on record. And say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not a callback. <laughs> um, uh, I'm following the rules. So, um, yeah, Paul Jackson, I like the newer funk stuff a lot, like Wolfpack. Joe Dart. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That, um, I like Jessica Trucks. I like Derek Trucks a lot. He's one of the best guitar players ever. I think yeah, that they, they make pretty music. I, I, re- I remember JP like right before you joined the band. Yeah. We were at we were at Road Thirty Four, 
and um, you were talking to me and you're like, hey man, I started playing the bass. I was like, oh cool. Nice. He's like, yeah, you ever heard of the band Wolfpack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Dude. yeah. That's, that's the exact thing I want to hear a bassist say. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah oh, he's we gotta get this guy. So uh, you were also telling me you, you guys play a lot of shows down in Denver. Do you have any like kind of big local yeah, man, influences? I want to I want to shout out the salesman. I think as far as just seeing them live and um, formerly Uncle Lame Bake, I should say for people who don't know their new band name. Um, those guys are awesome, and we'd love to see you soon, guys. If you're listening, it's been a while. Do you remember us? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, I think when it comes to local music, we believe as a band our fundamental belief about musicians and, and local music and um, all those things is we believe in a very wholesome um you know supportive environment where everyone wants everyone else to succeed you know and, and we're pushing each other to help each other win and and gain those followers and and hear have people hear our art you know that's we believe in a um a community of music you know and um, I think there can always be more of that. Agreed. Agreed. You're telling me during break that you guys play a lot more shows down in Denver than you play with the kind of like the Fort Collins scene. How, how do you see the, the Denver scene and the Fort Collins scene? How do you see like the, the cooperation or the integration between the two kind of happening? I think that when you have a town that's, you know, so much smaller in scale, just in size, like Fort Collins is, um, there is a natural sort of tight knit element to it, um, which can be a really good thing. And, you know, also, you know, questionable things at, at times the, the cool thing about Denver is it's just such a big scene. You have all those influences and that really wide variety of things, you know, that, that really kind of, it just increases the diversity and in music yeah. diversity is you would just want as much of it as you can. I'd say there's a lot of more diversity in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. At Colorado State University, the women's rugby team competes in the Mountain West Rugby Conference, working to establish themselves as leaders on and off the field. Women of all different backgrounds, experience levels, and interests are welcome to join the CSU women's rugby team. Practices and home games are held on the IM fields. To get involved and define the team's game schedule, go to csuwrugby.com. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team is 18-7, and seven, winning their last two games against Wyoming, 45-56, and Nevada, 62-55. Their final home matches are against San Diego State and UNLV. In men's basketball, the team is now 21-4 and four with their loss to UNLV, 51-72. Their next game this week is against Wyoming for the Border War. In women's softball, the team is 2-8 with their most recent win being against Montana. In track and field, the team of men and women are on their way to the Mountain West Conference this weekend. Best of luck to our student-athletes. In women's golf, they took 11th place at the show at the Spanish Trial in Las Vegas. 
in men's golf, they will be competing in the Prestige Tournament this week to begin the spring half of their season. In women's swim and dive, the girls were undefeated during the season and took fifth in the Mountain West Conference. If you are interested in student tickets, men's basketball tickets are sold out. I repeat, they are sold out. But women's tickets are still available. You can pick up your student ticket at csurams.evenue.net. My name is Eliza Drotard. This has been your RMR Sports Report. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is Tech News for Thursday. After an internet outage lasted for over a month in Tonga, the country finally reconnected to the internet Tuesday. According to Nick Perry of the Associated Press, Tonga's fiber optic cable was severed after an underwater volcanic eruption caused a tsunami. Tonga Cable said that the fiber optic cable was reconnected Tuesday and became fully operational by Wednesday. About 56 miles of cable were repaired, And with this line fixed, the company can now focus on repairing a second essential fiber optic cable near the country's coast. Tonga Cable Chairperson Samuela Fonua said SpaceX worked with the company to establish satellite connections, which they intend to use to connect people on nearby islands to the internet, with the SpaceX station operating in Fiji. A new study found that Facebook failed to label climate change misinformation on the platform. According to Rachel Treisman in National Public Radio, The Center for Countering Digital Hate, also called CCDH, said only about half of posts, including climate misinformation, were properly labeled for it. The study also found that 10 publishers posted nearly 70% of Facebook's climate denial content. The 93 most popular unflagged climate denial posts had a total of over 540,000 interactions from users. Climate activists say that Facebook's lack of action in preventing misinformation related to climate change shows a lack of focus on the issue as a whole. This new study came after Francis Haugen, a former Facebook employee who previously reported on the platform's dismissal of harms to teenage users, reported two new complaints to Congress. Haugen told the Securities and Exchange Commission that the company lied to its investors about preventing the spread of misinformation on COVID-19 and climate change. Meta announced they plan to build a universal translator using artificial intelligence. According to James Vincent at The Verge, Facebook and Instagram's parent company hopes to use speech recording technology to offer a translation option for all languages. CEO Mark Zuckerberg said, quote, The ability to communicate with anyone in any language, that's a superpower people have dreamed of forever. And AI is going to deliver that within our lifetimes, end quote. Meta says that while their platform already has translation options for more common languages like English and Mandarin, 20% of the world does not read or speak a common language. As a result, Meta hopes to use its No Language Left Behind program to learn to translate these languages. Meta did not announce when they intend to start or finish this translator, but they do hope to include it in augmented and virtual reality programs through Meta. That's all for tech news, and now for the weather. Today we saw temperatures warm up from yesterday's freeze, with a high of 22 degrees and a low of 5 degrees. Friday will be pretty similar with mostly cloudy skies and a high of 28 with a low of 3. And Saturday will be sunny with a high of 37 and a low of 15. Sunday will be warm and sunny with a high of 51 and a low of 25. Monday will be partly cloudy with a high of 52 and a low of 28. 
Tuesday, you can expect pretty similar conditions with a high of 57 and a low of 33. And for Wednesday, you'll have to tune into our next episode on Tuesday at 4 p.m., only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you.